humans do not understand the TV show Lost. In each moment of our lives, we betray it. I, we know of its worth, yet in knowing, we then attach to it a value. We guard the giving of it, believing it must be earned. The television program Lost is priceless, in the truest sense of the word. Hi, welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues, a podcast about whether or not Lost is a good TV show. I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm Emma May. And we're here to talk about Season 3, Episode 3, Further Instructions. What was Our first that? lock episode of the season. Was that Nietzsche that you read at the big... What was that? <laughs> uh, no, that is uh, from the... Uh, 10-volume doorstopper fantasy series that I'm a huge fan of called Malazan, Book of the Fallen. Okay. Um, In context, it's a very nice quote about compassion, Um, but I got to ruin it today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Emma, how's it going? How'd you feel about this episode? I love a lock episode. Mm -hmm. it, It was just great. I loved it. What did you think? Yeah. I liked it a lot. I think it's really funny. We've joked about how much his uh, backstory up until now has been soap opera. Mm-hmm. And so I love that the show gives us this absolutely insane curveball this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, like just not had n- completely, uh, you know, I think something that the Lost writers, or maybe not even the writers, but definitely Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse pride themselves on is... That nobody is guessing what they're going to do next. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of why uh, the show uh, ends up going down a lot of different rabbit holes. Is because people did guess what they were going to do next, so they changed it. But uh, this was something that truly nobody saw coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it yeah. was uh, John Locke in a cult, or whatever. I mean, we'll talk about it. I can't wait to talk about it. Alright, this, yeah, so this episode... Uh, written by Carlton Cuse and Elizabeth Sarnoff, uh, directed by Stephen Williams. We've seen them all before. And it aired on October 18th, 2006. Um, we open on Locke's eye. He's lying bloodied in the jungle. Uh, he sees uh, naked Desmond run by, but uh, uh, trying to reach out to him, he's unable to talk. Uh, he hears a cracking sound and echo stick falls out of the sky and hits him so this is the first we're seeing i mean we're three episodes in and we haven't seen anything about what's going on with the hatch Mm -hmm. um and this this episode is weird because it does i mean i think it basically explains right what happened with the hatch uh over the course of it but there's no like reflecting on it at all because they immediately have to go find echo in this one Mm -hmm. um which is just weird because we're so far... This is the first even hint that we're getting that, you know, for all... I mean, obviously, I think we all knew Locke wasn't dead. But, like, you know, there's no reason that that shouldn't have been the case. Um, uh, Locke goes to camp and starts tearing apart his tent. And Claire and Charlie are talking. And, um, I mean, they're they're even more coupley in this episode mm-hmm. than they were at the end of the last season. Uh, which sucks. We're really going down this road. But, like, at the end of the last one, it was kind of like, oh, Claire's holding his hand again, and, oh, they're kissing. And it, but it, it it was... This is just, like, straight up, like... She's like, well, Charlie, don't you think you should go do something about that, Charlie? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna nag you now. Uh, they're married now. 
They're yeah, they're married, married now, which is mm-hmm. what what Charlie wanted. So I guess he wins. That son of a bitch. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, here's my question, uh, Charlie, played by Dominic Monaghan. Uh, how do you uh, how do you feel about his haircut this season? <laughs> the mullet. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mullet. Is it? Yeah, it is a mullet. <laughs> um, I would say that I hate it real bad. I, uh, I like the hockey hair on on him. I'm not the biggest fan of the mullet. Yeah, I I the uh, the mullet. It feels like it needs to be on somebody who's a lot less insecure than Charlie. I don't think that he pulls it off whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, mullets are coming back though. They and really. I are. think that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good. I mean. You know, I, I think we as a culture have kind of forgotten the ways of party in the back. And I think it's time that that needs to come back, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Locke uh, motions to Charlie that he can't speak when Charlie tries to ask him about what he's doing, which just absolutely delights Charlie. And here we're getting more of Charlie as, like, the... Uh, I don't know, the malignant, like, pixie. Uh, he just, like, he's so... He he just spends this whole episode standing next to Locke and being snarky. Yeah. Um, which, I yeah, I don't know. I guess that's his new thing. Um, maybe it'll be better this season. Who knows? Um, he, uh, he finally gets across to Charlie that he needs to speak to the island and that's the the big reveal before the title credits uh so we're finally getting uh Locke trying to to he's actually taking some action as opposed to just feeling sorry for himself for 16 episodes mm-hmm. um Locke writes on a pad that he needs charlie's help to stand guard uh i don't really know why um charlie uh tells Locke that he detests him and he tries to make it sound like, like he does. You, you do know that I detest you, don't you? Dude, you do remember beating me to a pulp in front of like all these. But it's like, you deserved it, Charles. You deserved that. Like, don't. Locke was not unreasonable to punch you in the face after you kidnapped a baby. I mm-hmm. think we need to be very clear about that. Um, but yeah, Locke tells him that he needs help at the sweat lodge. Um, which I. That's such a funny way to talk about it, too. Mm-hmm. I just associate that with, like... Um, did you watch Arrested Development Season 4? I did. The the Netflix one? Yeah, I blacked it out It mostly my memory. sucks. <laughs> yeah, it, it mostly sucks. There's a pretty good plotline of Jeffrey Tambor uh, operating a sweat lodge... Um, where he, like, gets a bunch of, like, really, like, rich CEO types to go to get, like, spiritual enlightenment. But all he does is make them go into a sweat lodge, get them uh, very dehydrated, and then, like, sell them glasses of lemonade for, Ugh. like, $400,000 a piece. And that is a pretty good bit it's in a ocean of... Yeah, yeah. Uh, it unfortunately was, like, one episode out of the 12. Uh-huh. That's right. Tell him I say hi, please. Okay. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. So we get our first flashback, and 
It opens up with some good blues music by Muddy Waters. It's a song that's titled, I Feel Like Going Home. And Mm -hmm. Locke is driving a truck. Uh, He picks up a hitchhiker who is on his way to Eureka. Mm -hmm. Um, His name is Eddie. And John asks him what he wants to do in Eureka. And it turns out that Eddie is looking for work. Um, Eddie is played by Justin Chatwin, who is from Canada. Uh, Did you recognize him at all? So I thought I did. I think earlier in the show, maybe I was I was talking about the TV show Suits, and mm-hmm. I said that the main character from Suits showed up in this show, and that's because I had completely confused uh, the two of them. So uh, I had thought that he was the main character of Suits. He was not, uh, and I don't recognize him whatsoever. They're both like nondescript handsome men. Like yes, so I, yeah. I can see why that would happen. Um, if you were describing them, you'd say young white guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, his big break in acting was in Shameless, um, which I never really got oh, into. Okay. But he played somebody named Jimmy Lishman, um, and that, and he also did a few episodes in Orphan Black, which I loved. I love that show. Oh, yeah. Orphan Black was great. Yeah. I really I think I might have not caught the last season of that. Oh, it's so um, worth it. It stays good up until that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gotta get on that. Yeah. I yeah I never watched Shameless either. That show always stressed me out. Yeah. And anytime when it's like a... When it's a show about people who are poor that are struggling, I'm just like, well, I'm poor and struggling. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to think. I don't want to think about this. Mm-hmm. I like the ones where they're poor, but also they're having a great time. Those give me that. Yeah. I'll watch. My name is Earl. Or Roseanne. Sure. I well, I will Roseanne. say the show Roseanne. I don't think it's very funny, but I just love her politics so much <laughs> that I do end up watching it. Of course, um, gotta support her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's great the thing that she says about um, black politicians. Uh, it, it's so wild to me that they kept that show going. And I think it's actually yeah. like kind of popular still, too. Like, it gets good, decent enough ratings. Well, John Goodman, um, I think, is carrying all the weight. I'm sure, yeah. You know. He's great. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Eddie. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Eddie. Yeah, Eddie. So here's actually my first question about this. Would you ever trust somebody named Eddie, let alone a hitchhiker? I'm going to say, for me, no. I'd pick up the hitchhiker, but as soon as I found out his name was Eddie, he's going out the car. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, just something really, like, swarmy about this dude. Like, right out the gate, um, Eddie yeah. tells Locke that he just needs to get away, his mom is dead, and his dad is a drunk, and as the rain clears up, Locke gets pulled over for a broken taillight, and the officer asks them both to step outside the vehicle and show them what's in the back of the truck. It's filled with guns, like, mm-hmm. to the top, like, filled with guns. Yeah, there's guns. like 50 guns in a duffel bag. So sketchy. Like, what is going mm-hmm. on here? Um, and... The cop, he has all the paperwork, though, um, but the yeah. cop threatens to bring him in for picking up a hitchhiker, and Eddie chimes in that Locke is his uncle. Um, mm-hmm. The cop lets him go, 
and Eddie asks, you know, what's with all the guns? And the camera pans back to Locke, and he has the biggest shit-eating grin on his face. Like, he sh- he should have smiled and had an orange in his yeah, teeth again. Yes. I think that would have been a great callback to have yes. right now. Um, um, but Eddie has, like, yeah, also, activated something in him. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, by saying that he's his uncle, Locke has all of a sudden uh, become ingratiated to him. Mm-hmm. Now, the episode doesn't ever answer why they had all those guns, either. Like, all they're doing... We never... Like, we see I, we see them go hunting, I guess, at the very end, technically. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was are all those guns for all the different people later on? Uh, it doesn't, doesn't really make sense. It's, it's interesting that, that you say that, because I watched a documentary called In Search of Sasquatch. It was really, really okay. good. It was really uh-huh. good. But it's about... Have, well, quick question. Yeah. Spoilers are fine here. They end, up, they end up finding that guy? No. Okay. No, they didn't. All right. Well, well kind of. Oh, because Sasquatch, okay. it wasn't like the monster. It was like, it mm-hmm. all takes place in... <laughs> oh, it's just a big guy? Or... Yeah. Yes. Okay. It all takes place in Humboldt County, and it's all about, like, growing operations in, like, the 80s and 90s. And it was kind of like the oh. Wild West. Like, like sure. people got murdered. There was, like, a lot of violence mm-hmm. tied up with it. So I think that's, like, the first clue about what's actually going on with Locke. Gotcha. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. I, he, he, I mean, there's, like... You know, obviously there's a cult vibe to this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Yes, without a doubt. Uh, Back on the island, Locke is building a sweat lodge. He uh, creates some of the same goop that he he gave to Boone. Um, uh, Charlie chastises him for doing drugs, which I do think, you know, the line was pretty good. uh, Up until now, I thought we had a, you know, a zero tolerance policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Locke ignores him and just tells him to stand guard and not come in. Uh, he goes inside the sweat lodge. Um, pretty well made, I gotta say, for how quick he did this, yeah. too. Um, props to Locke on this one. And, uh, as he hallucinates, he sees Boone. Um, Boone, of course, uh, Locke hallucinates him for some reason with, uh, the, the haircut of... Mm, I don't know, what would you say, like a mid-twenties vampire? Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, so. <laughs> uh, no, he's he's back. He's, uh, they, I, I did, they, in the first season, I mean, obviously he's not in the second season, but in the first season, Boone is such a, like, you know, he's obviously an extremely attractive guy, but he's such a, like, rosy-faced dork. Yeah, like rich uh, The whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah he just... He, you do not see him as hot, but he's hot now. Yeah, like he's, n- yes. now he's he's a little bit he's a little bit of a bitch, and he's a little bit hot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's uh, Locke is still unable to talk, and he tries to apologize. And Boone says, "Well, you'll speak when you have something worth saying." I guess meaning uh, that he doesn't accept Locke's apology. Although we do, so Locke did this to go speak to the island. So what do we think? Are we thinking this is the island? Are we thinking this is Boone? Or is this just Locke's subconscious uh, being mean to him? I think it's Locke's which is relatable. guilt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was kind I of think the that vibe I got. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem... It seems weird that the island would be so mad at Locke if it is the island. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm like... I, I don't quite get that. He says we need to get going, but 
uh, Locke needs to get in his wheelchair. And now Boone takes him on a tour of the the Sydney airport. And here is my thing uh, with this episode is I think that this should have been... I, this would have been a great time. I mean, it would have changed the structure of the episode completely. Um, it kind of would have been great to have a uh, an episode where Locke's like conversation with you know his subconscious or whatever is taking him like uh, giving us like a full episode of this. Yeah, agreed. Um, like I, I like all the little dynamics we see here for the most part. They make it kind of cutesy, you know, like a, a Charlie and Claire or like a, a couple with their kid. Uh, Hurley is a gate agent. He's typing the numbers into the thing. Um, Desmond is a pilot with uh, two stewardesses on his arm or flight attendants, I guess. Um, uh, Jack, Sawyer, and Kate are going through security together. And uh, it, I don't know, the whole thing, it just would have been a neat like little break from the format, I think. Yeah. I, as it is, I mean, you know, this, it's not quite a dream sequence, I guess. It's a hallucination, so maybe that makes it a little bit more tolerable. But there's something about, I, I like the way that it's shot, but there's something about it that I just wanted more from it. Yeah, I completely agree. I could have done without the, like, constant double and triple exposure going on. <laughs> But it sure. was, like, really well executed. I think it's probably, like, the best psychedelic scene that we've had. Right? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, but basically, uh, Boone wheels Locke around the airport, showing him all of these people in their different new airport jobs, telling him that none of them are the ones that he needs to help. Um, uh suddenly Locke is at the bottom of the escalators with no chair he has to crawl up and he is shirtless for this I gotta say this is terrifying to me having to crawl up the escalator shirtless oh yeah you get a you get a nip caught in there you're done you're done like that's just that's yeah that's mm-hmm. bad that's bad news <laughs> uh have you ever seen I think these are so stupid you, you know there's kind of like those things where it's like a guy, those uh, hidden camera things where it's like a guy says, hey, can you watch my laptop while I go to the bathroom? And then someone else comes to try and steal the laptop and, you know, the third party bystander, we see whether or not they stop them. Yes, and it's like, yeah. are you a good person if you did that? Mm-hmm. I, there's a there's a genre of these on TikTok that is somebody, <laughs> a grown man acting like he's scared of the escalators so, like, taking a step on and then stepping off and then, like, letting people go in front of him. And then finally, like, you know, like, the nice guy or uh, girl or whatever grabs him by the arm and, like, just, you know, holds his hand as on the way down. Which oh is, like, it's such a funny, like, all the comments are like, yeah, you can be, a you know, the hero in somebody's day or something like that. I just think it's so funny because that's not the reaction I would have to seeing somebody struggle with the escalators whatsoever. My reaction would be, would be like, like, oh, there's stairs, buddy. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, why don't I take you to the stairs, dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I would, I think if I was on that hidden camera, I'd take the guy's wallet and then go down the escalator. And he'd be yes. too scared to, to get it back. It's the perfect And I would crime. get the failed uh, stamp across the screen. Um 
But yeah. Uh, Locke at the top of the escalators uh, sees uh, Echo's stick again covered in blood. Boone tells him that he doesn't have much time. Uh, and Locke bursts from the sweat lodge and finally speaks, saying that he'll save Mr. Echo's life. Uh, this hits a lot uh, less than I think they want it to, because it's been about ten minutes now that we've had where Locke hasn't spoken. Yeah. And we did just hear Locke speak in the flashbacks, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, it, it doesn't... Uh, I don't know. The the whole thing, all the stuff with Echo in uh, the other 48 days, I, it seems like they maybe wanted to um, echo, I guess, that or or mirror it in some way, but it, that was a lot more effective than this was, I think. Yeah. I think if they had done what you were saying and just, like, elongated that kind of psychedelic trip that he had and made it, like, half the episode or... You know, right. it would have hit a lot different, differently. Well, because after this, we're going to get about three scenes of him and Charlie, like, trudging through the jungle. Yeah. And to me, those are just so much less interesting than if he was in that airport, like, trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and trying to figure it, like, the mystery of, like, you have to go after Echo is um, not, I don't know. It just, it, it just doesn't quite land. He uh, he finds Echo's cross in the woods, and based on the tracks that are around it, he says that Echo was dragged by a polar bear. I think there's a couple times where he pulls out like a tuft of white yeah. fur, mm-hmm. which is really, I mean, it's just so obviously just a cotton ball that they stuck, but uh, fair enough. Uh, Locke tells Charlie to go back, that bad things happen to people who hang around with him, which is probably the most meaningful thing we get from having Boone show up in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, in the next flashback, uh, Locke and Eddie drive into the commune and he parks next to a tent covered in fabric, which is their makeshift sweat lodge. I just know that thing stinks. I can smell that thing through yeah. my screen. Mm-hmm. Um, Locke tells Eddie that people go in there to meditate and figure out the rest of their life if they're a farmer or a hunter. and mm-hmm. The two options. The only two options that you can be. I'm a gamer. Yeah. So that's, that's what, when I went to the sweat lodge, that's what it told me. I'm a podcaster. So, yeah, yeah. podcaster for sure. <laughs> uh, Locke walks Eddie over to a large picnic table where the commune members are sharing a meal and he introduces them to Eddie saying that he's looking for work um, but convinced him to stay for dinner. Uh, the leaders of the commune are named Mike and Jan and Mike mm. is played by Chris Mulkey who has had... I know, I had to look this up. I, I was so... I, I, yeah. He's been in everything. He's been acting since the 70s. And he's still yeah. acting today. Yeah. Um, he's good, too. I feel like he's, he's never good. really gotten, like, a, a big, uh, like, break that he deserves. Yeah, agreed. Um, Mike compliments Eddie's Geronimo Jackson t-shirt, which Geronimo, Geronimo Jackson uh-huh. is a made-up band that we've seen before. Uh, Hurley found yep. their album in the hatch in season two. Um, yeah. And Mike stands up and introduces Eddie to the table as John's guest and asks John to say grace. John says a little prayer. 
Uh, he mm-hmm. gives thanks, but it takes a weird turn. Uh, he mm-hmm. he thanks God for helping him with his anger issues and for giving him a real family that treats him a hell of a lot better than the one he left behind. Weird way mm-hmm. to end a prayer, but you know, I shouldn't judge. I guess. So. Yeah, that's it's definitely um, it. Uh, it makes sense if you're part of a cult. Yeah, I can say that. That's mm-hmm. a, that's the that's a cult type prayer. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think maybe if, like, the guy who had 50 guns in his car uh, was like, and uh, thanks for helping me find this place uh, with all these people I can depend on to not make me so damn angry all the time, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, boy, I really got to not screw up around this guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this seems like we're the only thing keeping him holding on. Yeah, I'd be scared. Yeah. Um, uh, Locke and Charlie find the crater where the hatch used to be. Uh, Locke saying that it must have imploded uh, based on I don't I guess I don't know. I don't I don't why I don't know why they say imploded. Somebody else says it later in the episode too. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like it exploded because everything got exploded all over the jungle, but that's just me. Uh, they uh, they find a boar that the uh, bear had attacked. Uh, the bear finds them in charges. Uh, they run away, but uh, they hear rustling in the bushes. And so Locke throws his knife at what he assumes is the polar bear. I guess meekly coming up to them, but it's uh, actually Hurley, uh, who luckily had put up his canteen at the exact right moment so that the knife didn't kill him. Uh, pretty good reveal. Glad we're getting Hurley back already. I was kind of afraid it was going to be another episode before we saw him again. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we feel about the, uh, the polar bear on this one? Ooh. Uh, Oof. the looks. The looks? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do we know yeah. the behind the scenes, like, what it was? How did they, how did they settle for that look, I wonder? That's my question. So, in, uh, Super Mario 64, there is a polar bear in the ice level. Mm-hmm. And I believe they were able to reuse that same animation rig uh, to create oh. the polar bear for mm-hmm. Lost. Yeah, so pretty pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, it looks like uh, looks like PlayStation Two graphics once again. They um, my thought is I thought the polar bear was a really neat segment of uh, season one where you're just like, what the heck's going on? Uh, obviously, it looked very corny at the time, but uh, enough of enough real stuff was going on with like the plane exploding and all that that you kind of forgave them for it. Yeah. Uh, but maybe at this point we need to stop going back to the polar bear well. Um, I don't yeah. know. That's just me. Or figure something else out with those graphics. <laughs> or just do a do a Beastmaster and spray paint a regular bear white. Yeah. Um, have you ever seen that movie Beastmaster? No, I haven't. It's from it's from the eighties, and there's a uh... he spray painted a bear for real. No, okay. no, even worse. Well, oh, no, no, even worse. I mean, it's uh, look the that that movie is there's no way that uh, I don't know four hundred animals didn't die in the making of that, but <laughs> uh, they have a tiger. That they clearly, like, just... For some reason, it's, since it takes place in a fantasy realm, this tiger has to be black. And so they, like, paint it black. Oh, my God. And, like, throughout the movie, you can kind of see times when the tiger has most likely, like, 
licked the shoe polish or whatever they're using off because like there will be a little bit of orange peeking through or it'll be a little bit lighter there but yeah it's uh it's like what are you guys doing that is one of the few things uh, about cgi yeah Yeah. cgi has made it so now we would just have some black tiger that looked okay in theaters and then when you watched it on disney plus at home you'd think oh that looks like dog shit Mm -hmm. um but no actual that. tigers would have to get cancer for it. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hurley tells them what happened at the docks, and Charlie tells him uh, about this, the bear. And Hurley heads to the beach, uh, and then meanwhile, Locke and Charlie find a cave where presumably the polar bear is. Uh, in the next flashback, Eddie and Locke are talking about a girl named Lizzie, who I guess mm-hmm. has a crush on Locke. <laughs> this is painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great. I I love that. Okay, so I love that Locke like kind of put Eddie in his place, but um, mm-hmm. Eddie is trying to encourage him to go for it, even though she is half Locke's age. And Eddie says that what she's looking for is a daddy, like everyone at the commune <laughs> and everyone <laughs> on the island. It's so I love that little line mm-hmm. snuck in there. Um, it's great. And it's it's so perfect. It's yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, and I love that it's like the one time that somebody has been forced to confront it, mm-hmm. and obviously Locke's decision is to just be like, "Well, that's not very funny." Yeah, that's not nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then he can asks, I, can, "Yeah." Oh no! I was just gonna say, can I, I? So I have something that this reminded me of. Okay. Which is. Pretty much unrelated, but I do think it's funny. Uh, Dan Harmon, back when I was first like getting into podcasts and I didn't know any better, I listened to the uh, the Kevin Pollock chat show, mm-hmm. um, which is like a three hour thing where Kevin Pollock does a Christopher Walken impression the whole time, and different guests are on. But he, you know, he got a bunch of different guests on, and so Dan Harmon and his uh, Kevin Pollock's wife is like the uh, uh, the the like person in the booth like i guess like the engineer or something like that like she's she's also on mic and so and so uh dan Harmon goes on and he's talking and it was a pretty good episode and uh i was you know i was enjoying it and then dan Harmon says something about like uh disney people (laughs) and um uh the about how like they all need how they all like you know, what did their dad leave their family for him at Disneyland? Is that why they're obsessed with Disneyland? Yeah, yeah. And it's like one of those one of those jokes where it's like, mm, maybe you should know the people you're talking to before yeah. you make this joke, even though you are correct. Um, and so, like, uh, the uh, the wife, Jamie, like, starts, like, crying. Oh, no. And, and on, on oh. air, right? And so then it just kind of, like, awkwardly ends, and Kevin Pollack is... Does, he kind of says something, but not really. And then the next episode with, is with Johnny Knoxville. And uh, Kevin Paul <laughs> starts talking about how Dan Harmon was saying all this stuff, but I had to put him in his place. Like, just completely lying to Johnny oh, Knoxville no. about about the situation <laughs> and making it seem like he really stood up for his wife. Um, uh, anyways, uh, basically 100% unrelated to everything we're talking about, but it has the exact same vibes. Yeah, same energy. Yeah. Um, he, Eddie, uh, 
asks him why Locke never talks about his dad, which is a crazy thing to ask somebody that you don't know that well. <laughs> um, yeah. And Locke tells him that there isn't much to talk about, which is also crazy, but good for him. Yeah, for also not, not true. Yeah, <laughs> straight up lie. Um, yeah. As they're discussing this, Eddie notices a group of people bringing fertilizer into a greenhouse, and he starts to walk towards it to help them. And Locke stops him and tells him not to because they have orchard duty. And this makes... Eddie is super suspicious and asks John what the big secret is with the greenhouse and John tells him to let it go but Eddie is upset because he's been there for six weeks now and he wants to be in on what they're working on. Um, Locke reminds him that he's a guest who gets a bed to sleep in and a meal every day and that should have ended the mm -hmm. conversation right there. Um, mm -hmm. But it's not good enough for Eddie and he's upset that they're, they're supposed to be a family, but feels like they're secrets. And he says that he sees the fertilizer and he wants in on whatever they're going to blow up. Which is great because it's like Locke's reaction should be like, oh, you have to go. You're a yeah. crazy person. <laughs> right. Uh, you, you, you assumed there was a terrorist plot and then wanted in on mm -hmm. it. You freak. Uh, Locke uh, tells Charlie not to go into the cave where they think the polar bear is. Charlie gives him the, you don't get to tell me what I can't do. So, like, whatever whatever version of that we're on now for this episode. It says it, I think somebody says it in pretty much all of Locke's episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, Locke says he's supposed to go in there. He covers himself in mud uh, like a predator, uh, gets some hairspray, and lights a torch. Uh, meanwhile, out in the, um, out in the jungle, Hurley runs into Naked Desmond. Um, he asks Hurley for some clothes, uh, and says that he just woke up naked in the jungle, and so Hurley gives him a big tie-dye t-shirt. Hurley is so um, afraid of seeing a naked man. Yeah, I know. That's the classic, uh, that's the classic early 2000s, mm -hmm. uh, uh, mentality on there where it's like... He like he like stretches or something like that, and Hurley acts uh, just horrified. Mm -hmm. um, we we also get like a tiny thing which is not brought or expanded on at all. It's very odd. But Locke is exploring the cave and he finds a toy truck. Mm. Um, I don't really get that. I it it seemed maybe it was supposed to be kind of like when Jack found the dolls in uh, the the caves in season one. Or it's like, oh, this was wreckage from the plane or something like that. Or maybe this cave that they found is way more sinister. Locke uh, goes to the greenhouse uh, and to meet with Mike and Jan um, to, you know, to talk about Eddie. And they're in a frenzy packing up their operation, um, which is growing marijuana. Which, like, now since so much time has passed and it's like legalized in so many mm -hmm. places it's a little like i had to kind of go back to that time where it was like oh yeah that would be like a really big bad thing like yeah to be found with an operation yeah. like that it was essentially the same as growing opium yeah right right um <laughs> so Mike breaks the news to Locke that he messed up big time by allowing Eddie to join the group. 
and it turns out that he's an undercover cop who has been building intel against their pot-growing operation. And Locke is in complete disbelief at first. He just doesn't buy it, but he ends up pleading with them to let him fix the situation. And they're, Which, like, to be clear, too, they're like, oh, okay, like, and still packing up yeah. all their stuff. Like, they have no faith in, in Locke, and I don't blame yeah. them, because it's like, how do you go back from that? But in Locke's crazy, I, deranged mind, he thinks that he can do something about it. Well, I mean, at this point, he thinks he's going to go kill Eddie, mm-hmm. and I think they even know, like, you can't do that. But mm-hmm. I, I do think it's funny that they blame him. Just because it was like, was Locke supposed to run a background check on the hitchhiker? Yeah. Like, everybody was cool with him, you know, eating at the table or whatever. Right. Like, um, seems like however you got the information about him being an FBI agent, maybe you should have looked that up first. Uh, I also, like, I mean, I do think that still, even back then, uh, growing a bunch of pot was not quite the same as terrorism. Yeah. So they probably could have maybe gotten... You know, they probably didn't need this big federal bust mm-hmm. uh, into the. They probably could have gotten rid of him, anyways. But, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, very sad seeing them immediately, like, be super dismissive you of Locke. You yeah. Yeah. Dumb, dumb, like, just yep. really laying into him. In the cave, Locke finds some skeletons with Dharma shirts on. Uh, he also finds uh, Echo. And then, as soon as he finds Echo, the bear suddenly attacks. Uh, Locke uses the hairspray as a flamethrower and scares it off. Um, And uh, uh, he takes Echo out of the cave. Uh, Meanwhile, Hurley asks Desmond why he didn't use the key before, but Desmond says he didn't know what would happen. I mean, that was basically, I think, just for the viewers, right? I'm sure that was something that people were asking all after the... The finale was, why didn't Desmond use the key a long time ago? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Hurley remarks that Desmond was unaffected by the electromagnetism. Um, and uh, then Desmond says something about how Hurley shouldn't worry about Jack. Uh, because Locke said that he was going after uh, them in his speech. And then Hurley says, dude, what speech? And um, and Desmond's like, oh, sorry, I must have been mistaken. Um this is so good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Charlie asks Locke what he saw in the sweat lodge. Um, as they're bringing Echo back, uh, Locke says that Boone uh, told him to, to clean up his mess. And Charlie blames Locke for Echo's condition. Which is fair, I suppose. Locke was the one that went crazy in the hatch. In uh, the final flashback... Locke and Eddie are out in the woods looking for deer, and they both have rifles. And mm-hmm. Eddie asks if Mike and Jan have talked about him yet, and Locke lies and says that they did, and that he's going to come back to the greenhouse with him after dinner to learn everything. Um, mm-hmm. And he distracts Eddie, and Eddie has his back to him when John points his rifle at him and confronts him. And the first thing that he asks is if they knew it was going to be him in the truck and if they chose him. Um, which I don't think that that's, like, where my mind would go, but, like... Well, I think Locke has just been, like, personally betrayed by basically yeah. everyone at all times. Yeah, that's true. So he wants to know if it was personal. 
mm-hmm. which it was. <laughs> yep, it was. Um, Eddie puts down his gun because it's not loaded and then uh, shares that they did choose him. Um, he hadn't been in the operation very long. He didn't have a criminal record. And his site profile said that he would be easy to coerce. I don't remember mm-hmm. like the actual term that they used, but... Um, I think that's basically it, like amenable yeah. to coercion or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would uh, your psych profile say that about you? I can tell you for a fact it would say that about me. It would say it about me, for sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. 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 100%. I'd probably be friends with a hitchhiker if I picked him up. Yeah. Me too. What a great story yeah. to tell people, as long as they don't yeah. murder you. Like, mm-hmm. um, Eddie tells him to lower the gun and that it isn't personal. And this really sets John off, and yeah. uh, Eddie starts to run away and tells John tells John that he's not going to shoot him and that he's a good farmer. And Locke says that he's not a farmer; he's a hunter, and he's crying. I'm a hunter. He's, I'm a I'm hunter. A hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But Eddie walks away, and and John doesn't shoot him. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean. I don't know. So there was a deleted scene where Locke, like, goes back to camp and he sees um, everybody, you know, the whole thing getting raided by the police and um, and he, uh, Eddie sees him, but then Locke just kind of, like, runs back into the woods and takes off. And so presumably Eddie, like, doesn't give chase after him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would have liked that ending more. Uh, this ending was kind of, like... Um, I don't know. This is such a weird, uh, I just, I don't care about the people in this cult enough for this to be super, uh, like it sucks to see Locke get kicked down again, but that's basically what happens in all of his flashbacks. But otherwise I don't really care about, (laughs) about the whole, all the people getting caught or whatever. I, I guess I'm kind of like neutral on it, but. I wish that they would have had at least one more scene to kind of wrap things up because, yeah, like there's I have a lot of questions. I mean, the much more interesting thing would have been if Locke had shot him, but obviously that's a character choice, not like a plot choice. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, Locke and Charlie find a stream back on the island. Uh, Charlie goes to get water while Locke stays with Echo. And Locke apologizes to Echo. Uh, Echo comes out of unconsciousness and tells him that he can still uh, save Jack and them. He tells Locke that he's a hunter, and then he passes back out. Um, which I guess we're meant to assume this is not Echo talking. That's kind of how I took it, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like him being maybe possessed by the island or Boone or whoever. Yeah. Um. Uh. Everybody arrives back at the beach, and we meet uh, our two new islanders, as we talked about plenty in season one, and then less and less over the course of the show, about all these extras that are standing around that they only they still only spent time with the same 12 people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they added two new ones, uh, because people were, that was like a huge common complaint of the show. So we've got Nikki and Paolo. Um, uh... And there's, there was also a couple deleted scenes about, um, uh, about one was Claire hears rustling in Jack's tent 
And then she goes in, and Nikki and Paolo are having sex in there. Um, and what? she interrupts them. Yeah, and so then Claire's like, oh my god, you need to stop that, and then goes away. And then there was another deleted scene where, like, Nikki apologizes, and, um, uh, that Claire walked in on them like that, and <laughs> I think it was a, probably a good call to just, uh, drop those. Yeah. But they are just kind of thrown in, like, there's no introduction whatsoever. It's just, like, everybody, everybody's talking to them like they already know them, which, you know, I guess presumably they, they did. It's just funny we never saw them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, La, uh, Hurley explains, uh, about the others taking Jack and crew. Uh, Locke gives a big speech about how he's going to give everyone back, and then Hurley looks out at Desmond, who is skipping stones on the water, and realizes that this is the speech that, uh, Desmond was talking about. So, Desmond saw a vision of the future of some kind, uh, maybe, or just had a good guess, who knows. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, that's the end of the episode. I love that uh, little added mystery with I, Desmond. It's so good. Yes, and it's nice that they're making him a bigger part of the show now, yeah, I think. That sure. he's he's kind of firmly like a main cast member in this season, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that is a pretty that's honestly that's a more compelling plot hook than Locke going to get the others back. Yeah. Uh truthfully, I'm I'm more interested in that, but we'll see. Um, this episode, so, actually, let me check real quick. The last episode was The Glass Ballerina, which came in, yeah, it came in at number 112. This one came in at number 111 no. on IMDb, which is crazy. It's, it, I, I don't, like I said, there's a, probably like three or four scenes of them just kind of glomping through the jungle that I don't really care for, and I think they could have done more exciting stuff with. But this is a much better episode than last week's. My jaw is on the floor. I cannot believe that. It's not that The only bad. thing I can think is that at this point, everybody was just like really wanting to find out what's going on with Jack and Kate and Sawyer. Oh, and sure. so they're mad about this episode not having any of them in it. Um, but I don't... Uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't 100% make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh... Uh, but yeah, I think, I mean, overall, I think it's a pretty good episode. I would probably put it probably in like the seventies if I had to place it. Like it's, it's, it's like in the middle uh, for me. Yeah. It's, it's a solid episode. Nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with it. Um, the, uh, next week we are getting every man for himself, which, uh, as you may guess just from the title is a Sawyer episode. Um, I started watching the first like five minutes of it and I'm super excited. Oh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> it looks so good. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. Um, I think all of Sawyer's episodes have been good, right? He hasn't mm-hmm. had any bad ones yet. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, that'll be next week. Um, until then, you can uh, tweet at us at all the best pods on Twitter. You can email us, all the best podcasts at gmail.com. Uh, Emma, any. Uh, they could they can give us ratings on like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Any idea how many stars they should be giving us? Mm, I love this question. I would say five okay. stars. Five okay, perfect. Five solid stars. stars. Five one solid for, stars. So one star mm-hmm. for each pixel that was on the polar bear. <laughs> every, for every moving pixel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, until uh, next week. Get lost. Get lost.